Hello, hello, and welcome to Skeptics and Seekers Sunday Sermon. This is 4S. I'm David Johnson. Let's get started. If you have your Bibles, very familiar text I want to share with you briefly. Romans 8, chapter 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Father, send your word in Jesus' name. Let the church say amen. You may be seated. Now, while uh, you are being seated, I just want to say by way of introduction, this is a Pentecostal church. This is a T.D. Jakes ministry, and this is Bishop Glenn A. Staples doing the preaching today. Now, uh, whereas this is a black preacher, this is not necessarily a black church, Pentecostal churches tend to be way more integrated than the average church. And so watching the video, if you're looking at the audience, you'll see uh, a lot of representation of uh, people from different races. This is probably the nicest thing that I have to say about Pentecostal movements and charismatic churches uh, in general, but this does seem to be the case more so across this denomination. I, I wanted to share a black preacher because I don't think that black preachers get the attention from Christianity that they need to. The, the people who know about black preachers are black people, but um, they are often parodied in the white church in a way that I think is uh, both unfair and unkind. Uh, Christian racism is, is a terrible thing, and we can go into why there are black churches and white churches in the first place, which I do own, um, on another podcast, uh, that a friend of mine does, I will not be linking to that in the show notes because I will not be writing any show notes. Uh, but if you really want to, um, hear me talk about, uh, the problem with race in the church and, uh, the, the various ways that it plays out, uh, perhaps I will be compelled to put a link, uh, in the show to some of that. But what you need to know about black preachers, especially in the Pentecostal church, is they're no different from white preachers. White preachers, black preachers, they're all the same thing. They all preach the same sermon. They all preach uh, mostly the same way. Uh, you'll find exceptions here and there. But this is very representative of this type of church, no matter what the race is of the person uh, in the pulpit. So uh, I just I just want you to know, I, I have listened to this sermon. Uh, and it is highly representative of this church at large. And I know that a lot of uh, denominations, including Pentecostals, they have different flavors, different styles, uh, different, different formulas. But by and large, this cuts right down the middle of, uh, of Pentecostalism. And so if, you're, if you've never been to a Pentecostal church or if you've never heard a black preacher, uh, Bishop, Staples is a pretty good representative 
uh, I think. And uh, along the way, I'll explain some of the stylistic things that uh, happened there. But listen to the content of the sermon as he talks about predestination and the necessity of the things that happen to you throughout your daily life. Bishop Staples. I want to talk to you from this subject. It was necessary. It was necessary. I, I can remember first getting saved. At, like a little baby, I would ask God for something and he would always be close around and he would do something for me, and I thought God would answer every prayer that I ever prayed. Then I began to mature a little bit, like most children, and uh, when I used to cry out for something, God would give it to me. Now he makes me go get it myself. So already we have a point of uh, interest here. We uh, talked about prayer uh, on, on a Red Letters uh, from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, prayer is going to come up a lot. Christians talk about prayer. Preachers talk about prayer a lot. But this is uh, excuse number 373,000 for why your prayers may not be answered by God. Well, you see, the reason your prayers uh, may not be answered is because uh, you're now a mature Christian. You see, in, in mature Christians, uh, don't get to just ask God for things like baby Christians. You got to go out and get it yourself. So, um, yeah, in, enjoy that excuse. How does that fly? <laughs> Let me know. Skeptics and Seekers dot squarespace dot com. Drop me uh, drop me a line in the comments. Let me know. I thought God would just bless me and just bless me, but there were things that I went through, things that happened to me that made me realize that I had to mature. The scripture talks about that uh, all things work together for the good, and he talks about that, and he tells us particularly that uh, God will bless us but there are some things that we have to go through. So I, I come as a messenger of good news and bad news. What do you want to hear first? <laughs> the scripture says that we are, we are his children, that he covers us. The Bible talks about the dynamics of that, but not only that, when it talks about that he will bless us because all things work together for good, the bad things that you've done. Every sin that you have ever committed, God will use to his glory. Did you know that God could and does use sin for his glory? Every, every sin you've ever committed uh, is something used for God's glory. That's an interesting take. 
every mistake that you have ever made, he will use for his glory. The devil will try to beat you upside the head with it. But God got your back. I said God got your back. There's an interesting story in Zechariah 3. And there's a high priest by the name of Joshua. And Joshua is standing there and the clothes that he has on are filthy. They're dirty. And the devil is standing right beside him. The scripture used the word Satan. Standing beside him, ready to accuse him. While he stands there ready to accuse him, there is the Bible called the angel of the Lord. One translation says the angel of Yahweh is standing there beside him. And when they got ready to accuse him, the Lord spoke up and said, change his clothes. I came by here today to tell somebody to change your clothes. God got a new garment for you. You don't have to stand and be bothered with the sins of the past. God will erase it. He's got something called the blood. Growing up in the Pentecostal church years ago, I, I never knew particularly. I remember going to East Beckley Elementary School in Beckley, West Virginia. My first grade teacher, Mrs. Hughes. Mrs. Hughes was asking each student, where they went to church, who your parents were, so forth. That's the way they used to do. And, and I said to them, I said, I go to uh, uh, Mount Bethel United Holy Church. And, and, and some of the kids in the class snickered. And they called me somebody, somebody called me a holy roller. <laughs> and I didn't know what none of that meant. But I see what God is doing now with us holy rollers. Something, something about God. Something about it. Bishop talked about being filled with the Holy Ghost. Is there anybody in here who's ever had that magnificent experience where God himself fell on you and you couldn't hardly open up your mouth. You couldn't speak English for two weeks. You, you, you got to understand that, 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 that God will take control over everything in your life. That God is not controlling. Or, or is he? I don't, I don't know who to believe. Um, yeah, so he, he um, describes a little bit more about the spirit and how it takes over you and um how it feels although i'm i'm really curious for anyone who has experienced this uh overtaking uh, of the spirit how did you know it was the spirit how did you identify that how did you since you believe in a world that is populated by not just gods but also devils and angels and demons and maybe maybe bad angels um how did you determine that what you were dealing with was the spirit. That's why you're here today. The devil been trying to kill you all of your life. Those missed accidents on the highway, 
those situations that happened in the club when you was partying. Somebody shooting a gun and it didn't hit you. And you're in the church right now because God got something for you to do. Somebody in this place ought to give God's name a praise out your belly because you know deep down he's worthy to be praised. This is a, a very motivational type of message, but it's also very narcissistic. Uh, the, the near miss you had where the bullet missed you. And and why did the bullet miss you? Because God made sure it missed you. The devil's trying to kill you in particular. The devil is targeting you in particular. And that bullet missed you, praise God. Never mind the person next to you that the bullet hit and killed. The scripture tells us, that he has something for us. The Bible talks about all things. Well, that means that he knows everything. The, the fear of his wisdom, he knows everything. And the Bible talks about the sovereignty of his will. He has predestinated us for glory. Now, now, now predestination cannot be reversed. When you were born in your mother's womb, God had an assignment for you. The reason you're here today because you're fulfilling some of that assignment. The assignment is not for what we do in here. This is worship. Outside the doors is work. This is where we have to change our community, change our neighborhood, change our homes, change the world with the power of the Holy Ghost, the sovereignty of his will. In other words, he is in control. There's nobody that can damage or turn what God or turn things around that God set in motion. You are predestinated. Look at somebody say, I'm predestinated for glory. But not only are you predestinated, you are preserved. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you have done, God got you. He knew you was going through some changes. He knew you had a weak season in your life. But even during the times that things didn't look good for you, he still had your back. This is also another very compelling aspect of this type of message, it, no matter what you did. Yeah, you raped that woman, but God's got your back because you were predestined from the start. Yeah, you robbed that bank and uh, killed that uh, person at the liquor store. Uh, yes, you got drunk and wiped out that family of six, but God's got you. God's got you. You were predestined. By the way, you keep saying predestinated. Um, it's predestined, but uh, minor gripe. It was necessary. It was necessary for you to be sick. It was necessary for you to go to jail. It was necessary for you to be out there in the streets. It was necessary so you know how to handle yourself after you got filled with the Holy Ghost. It was necessary for you to rape that child. It was necessary for you to beat your wife. You see, you can, you can just fill in anything under this idea of predestination. 
every bad thing you've ever done, not only was it pre-known by God, but it was necessary in order for God's plan for you to unfold as it should. You couldn't have done anything other than that terrible thing that you did. That's how necessity works. You're not stuck up. You're not walking around looking all crazy. You got God on your mind. And wherever you go, you talk about the Lord. He's been good to me. If it had not been, I feel like running in here. If it hadn't been for the Lord. Many Pentecostal preachers do. Not only that, he predestinated us for glory, conforms us to his will. But then he called us, those that are called according to his purpose, the sound of his word, the fear of his wisdom, the sovereignty of his will, and the sound of his word. Glory to God. Somebody here know what I'm talking about. It's an odd and a weird thing to begin to talk about how God leads and deals with you. It's, it's, it's like a process or an algorithm. It's, it's something where God sets up this for you. And you go through that season, and you may not be at your best, but you get through it. You go through that season over here, and you may not be at your best, but you get through it. No matter what you go through, it's like an algorithm that God set up. Just, just remember that. Um, God set it up. Every, every bad thing that you've done, also every bad thing that has happened to you, it's like an algorithm that God set up. And each, each particular algorithm, it sends you through this thing and that thing and leads you over here. And you find yourself, after 50 years of being in church, coming to the potter's house. Because God was sparing your life. So you can sit up in the potter's house today and give his name the glory. The thing about God is that you can't do nothing for him but praise him. Um, once again, this is a very common view, uh, of God. It's a very common view of God. I, I hear from progressives that this is not the case, that this is false teaching, but, uh, this is what the people hear in the pews. They're not hearing the other thing that progressives are saying. And you'll, you'll hear this over the course of the season, uh, over the course of this series. Um, God doesn't want or need anything for you from you except your praise. Your praise is the only thing you can give him. He's a praise monster and he just sucks up praise. There's there's really no good thing that you can do outside of that and certainly nothing that you can do uh, that God would be interested in that doesn't involve feeding him that sweet, sweet praise. You can't feed him. He said, if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. Of course, he's too proud. Too proud. You, you to can't you. comfort him. All you can do is praise him. You, you, you ought to help me with this for just a minute. Look at somebody and say, all you can do is praise him. 
by the way, he, he will uh, stop and say something like this a lot during the sermon. This is not just him being crazy. You know, you say, you know, look at someone next to you and say this or uh, repeat after me and say this. Uh, this is just a style of preaching. Okay, this is this is um, this is a homiletics thing, and uh, not every preacher adopts this style. I I certainly didn't, but a lot of preachers do. Both white and black doesn't matter. Uh, this is not a black preacher thing. This is just a um, preacher thing. You hear it a lot in Pentecostal charismatic churches, but uh, don't confuse um, style for message. This is just a stylistic thing that is popular among this type of church. Now, now, when it comes to praise, I don't want to get too excited about this because God been dealing with me all my life about praising him. When it comes to praise, praise is like different weapons. <laughs> pra pra praise is, is the type of situation where you got a Glock over here. You got a 45 over here. You got a 38 over here. And you got to know what to use. I really don't understand this analogy. Will someone please explain this to me? Why praise is like a clock. <laughs> what, tell me about the situation where you would use the praise clock as opposed to the praise 38. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You, you got a toda where you throw your hands up. You got a yada where you open up your hands and give his name the glory. You, 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 got, you got a pizzazz where you jump up and down. Pizzazz is for joy. Nehemiah, he said, if you ain't got no joy, leap for it. You, you got to understand how, how to use your praise. Look at your name and say, do you know how to use your praise? And the hallelujah, some people call it the highest praise. But the dynamics of hallelujah is you, you can speak languages in hallelujah. Every language, hallelujah, is spoken the same way. In French, it's hallelujah. In Spanish, it's hallelujah. In Swahili, it's hallelujah. In Dutch, it's hallelujah. In German, it's hallelujah. In Russia, it's hallelujah. It's the same word. And that's why some folk call it the highest praise. Somebody ought to throw your hands up and throw your head back and give God's name the highest. You'll hear on uh, some of these crescendo moments in the background, a little bit of piano, a little bit of organ, sometimes a little bit of tap on the drum um, to uh, punctuate and um, work the crowd a little bit. This is also extremely common. So if you haven't been into uh, a church uh, in a while and you've never been to a, a more active type of worship, this is, this is a very common uh, practice that you'll hear a lot across uh, various denominations and uh, genres of, of worship. I got to tell you this. I got to tell you this and I'm going to move on. I got to tell you something. Bishop Jakes prayed over us. There was a breaking of something we've been waiting for. Now, now, 
the dynamics of that is that the breaking of it comes with the praise. I mean, a ridiculous praise. Glory to God. I mean, I, I, I know how it is to sit back and mope and think things are not going to change. But things are about to change. This is also a very common message, especially in Pentecostal churches. It's very common. Uh, whatever's going on right now, whatever's going on in your life, whatever's going on in the world, in the country, uh, whatever the upset or outrage is, things are about to change. We are on the verge of change. Don't give up. Don't go away. Don't lose faith. Don't lose heart. Things are about to break open. So you'll, you'll hear that kind of appeal in almost every sermon uh, in, a, in a Pentecostal church. In a new season, God's getting ready to turn some things around. Because not only are we dealing with the sphere of wisdom, not only are we dealing with the sovereignty of his will, not only are we dealing with the dynamics of the sound of his word, but we're dealing with the shadow of his wings. The shadow of his wings deals with the dynamics of him justifying us. The Bible says, what shall separate us from the love of God? Look, look at somebody and tell them, I'm going to be blessed irregardless of what I have did in the past. Claim that He's blessing. got my back. He's, got He's covering me. Doesn't and matter he's what carrying mean. me. I'm going to be blessed. My family's going to be blessed. Lord Jesus. Your family is going to be blessed because of you. Because of you. But We're not because of that other family member who's earlier, not in the church. Here. When I was in the first grade and they was teasing me and laughing at me. That's not the case now. That's not the case for Pentecostals and non-denominational churches and churches that praise the Lord. And some folk do roll in the floor. If you get hit with a mighty dose of the Holy Ghost, you will fall out. You're the same is true if you drink too much strong spirits. So if you get hit with a mighty dose of other strong spirits, you will also foul out. Uh, if you get hit with the right medication in a hospital, you will fall out. Uh, if you get hit with the right drug uh, at an insane asylum, you will fall out. If you get hit with a Louisville slugger, you will fall out. Uh, there's There are a lot of things that you can get hit with that will make you fall out. The real question is, is this how the spirit works? And if it is, when you do fall out, considering that there are so many things that can knock you out, how do you know that it's the spirit doing it? Roll in the floor. You'll roll up under the pew. Oh, yeah, you're going to roll. If the Holy Ghost get a hold of you, really, it's, it's, not, it's not a tickling feeling. I see, and I've heard so many other preachers describe it as a, a gentle, subtle feeling. Exactly what he's saying, it's not. It's not, you know, where you feel something going up your back. It ain't that. You can get that anywhere. 
when the Holy Ghost hits you. I need somebody in here just a moment that know what it really feel like. And you know you've been in contact with God. You never get to the place where you don't mind praising him. You will praise him in the grocery store. Okay, so if you have seen anyone in a grocery store or other public venue break out in speaking in tongues or loudly praying or singing or something like that, and you wonder what has gotten into them, they've just come from a church like this. This is just any given Sunday. This is any given Sunday. This is, this is what the average person gets to hear on any given Sunday. And that does affect the behavior of many Christians. You'll be picking up some tomatoes and start speaking in tongues. Because God's been good. He's got his hands on you. I think that's what I came to tell you. He's got his hands on you. And all the stuff that you went through, he justified you. He got you out of all of that stuff and turned you around and made folk that didn't like you respect you. The, the, the word respect comes from a Latin word. It means to look again. That's where us old folks get the word spectacles, glasses, to look. Respect, to look again. Tell, tell somebody myself, say, look at me again. I ain't what I used to be. Look at me again. He's getting ready to take me somewhere. Look at me again. I know I've been talking about God's going to bless me for a long time. He's about to do it. There's something that's changing in the atmosphere. Glory to God. Yeah, once again, um, you know, I've been saying this for a long time. God's about to do something, and it hasn't happened. But it, really, this time, <laughs> this time is about to happen. It's, it's really going to happen this time. We just, just keep saying it. As we're justified, he moves us to the splendor of his world. In other words, this is his world. Psalms 24 said, the earth is the Lord's. And they that dwell therein. All of this belongs to him. Now you're getting ready to walk into the splendor of his that, that that's that's where he elevates you or glorifies you, and nobody can stop it. No trick, no demon, no devil can stop where you're going. Glory to God. God's about to do something in your life. Bishop asked for an offering a moment ago. And when you want to break something in your life, an offering is a way to break it. We were trying to build our church some years ago. And I brought a, a, a seed to him. As soon as I got off the plane, what I had been praying for before I put the seed in his hand, what I've been praying for, it happened. 
so by seed, he means a, a given sum of money. He's talking about money. He, uh, this is how they talk about money. It's seed planting. So we've, we've talked about this before. And uh, if you're wondering how we got this far into a Pentecostal sermon without talking about money, well, uh, here it is. You, 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 it, no matter how intellectual you are, your intellect can't break through the spiritual realm. Also, one of my favorite notions of uh, Christianity, um, it's a spiritual realm. It's a different realm, special plead, special plead. So your intellect can't break through. Your intellect can't understand. So if you're trying to understand this stuff in a way that makes sense, no, 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 you can't do that because this is spiritual. By the way, that's a biblical concept. Read, um, I want to say First Corinthians chapter 2. Now, I'm going to say this to you, and this is something you can look at and think about and pray about. A thousand dollar seed will put you in another dimension. Okay. Um, so, yeah, here we go. Uh, a thousand dollar seed. <laughs> he's, not a, he's not asking for $20. <laughs> that's, that's for Applebee's. <laughs> A thousand dollars. I mean, he does aim high. Um, these people don't get rich by asking for five dollars at a time. The scripture talks about a thousand. It'll put you, and you ought to, you ought to look at trying to do that over the next couple of months. Whatever you can do, just give it and step back and see what happens. Glory to God. Step back and see what happens. Not only that, do we, are, are we glorified in the splendor of his world? What happens to us is the very foundation of our hope of glory. Your glory, you being glorified, is unshakable. You'll get to a place in your life where the devil used to try to stop you and block you, you can get to a place where the mention of your name will make the devil flee. I mean, the mention of your name. You, you, you can go to the hospital and pray for somebody, and the devil know you come and say, oh Lord, here comes Sister Jones. She's going to have oil all over his head, and she's going to be speaking in tongues, but he's going to get out of there. you you got to understand that the enemy will be afraid of you. We've got this thing backwards. We're afraid of the devil when the devil is afraid of you. Is there any way to validate this, uh, people going into hospitals? Uh, appropriately anointed with oil and speaking in tongues and the devil flees. I mean, how is it that the devil flees, but the person still dies that you're praying for? So I'm not, I'm not entirely sure how, how this works and how, how you can say, well, the, the devil ran from you though. Uh, that's uh, the doctor saying the surgery was a success, but the patient died. He will run from you. When you start operating in your glorified way, 
There's a lot of folks that won't understand you. But things are about to happen to you. And the stuff that you've been through, the hard times, when you almost gave up, the hard times, when you was about to quit, I stopped by here to tell you it was necessary. The pain and the hurt, it was necessary. How they treated you, it was necessary. Somebody in here that know it was necessary. They talked about you at one church. You left and went to another place, but it was necessary. They dogged you out. You went through a divorce. You were operated on. They said you wasn't going to live, but it was necessary because it changed how you viewed God. Glory to God. The, the divorce was necessary. Um, isn't, isn't divorce a sin? They told me a few years ago, in the month of October, I wouldn't live to December. In 2019, the doctor looked at me and told me, if you'd have came here earlier, I'd have been able to do something for you. When he said that, I laughed at him. I said, you can't do nothing for me, no way. You are not my God. You didn't. Then why did you go to the doctor? Why did you go to the doctor at all? If your real belief is that the doctor can't do anything for you anyway, see, something is very inconsistent. Something is very wrong with that kind of rhetoric. S some Christians ought to be able to spot that. Call me into existence, and you can't tell me when I'm about to leave. Glory to God. And I'm still here talking about how good God is. Somebody here that know that God is good. Throw your hands up. Throw your head back. Give God's name a praise out your belly because he's worthy to be praised. Somebody that know that God will break things open for you. Give God a ridiculous praise. Glory to God. I'm talking about a praise that will back the devil up. Glory to God. Not a little a bitty praise, but a hard praise. Somebody shout glory to God. Somebody shout praise his name. Somebody shout hallelujah because he's worthy to be praised. Somebody that know that God is worthy. Turn to your neighbor. Say, neighbor, I've been through hell, but God brought me out. I'm in the house of God, and I'm about to give God a praise because can't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do me like the Lord. Somebody throw your hands up. Throw your head back and give God a praise out your belly. Yes! Yes! He's worthy! Yes, he is! Look, look, look at somebody for just a moment. Look at them and say, I need you to do something for me. I need a breakthrough praise. I need a praise that'll back the devil off my children. And I need you to help me. Did, did you know that the right kind of praise could back the devil off your children? Yeah. 
for about three to five minutes. I need somebody in here that know how to back the devil up. Off your children, off your finances. Look at somebody and say, help me praise him. All right. And so we're going to get into the Hallelujah Band. We're going to get into a little bit of dancing in the aisles. Preacher's going to take a little bit of a breather. Find somebody that's giving God's name praise. Run over to him. Grab him by the hand and shout, praise him, baby. Praise. All right. And this goes on like this for a long time. So we're just going to skip through some of this. I feel something in here. Uh, yeah. No. By the way, this this uh, long segment of the band and uh, dancing and jumping and it, some some of these get actually really wild. There really is uh, holy rolling at uh, a lot of these types of assemblies. But this this kind of long um, crescendo toward the end of the sermon that goes on for a while. This is actually a part of the style. Of worship. This is not this church. Uh, this is uh, almost all of them. Uh, and so, uh, once again, don't don't confuse the style for the message. Uh, this is this is just a fairly common style. No need to uh, watch it all here. But there's there's a place in here that we're going to pick up here if I can find it. Yeah, go. Don't get down, buddy. They are, they are waiting, I think, for the preacher to pick up again. Your hands there we go. Him. I feel a breakthrough. <laughs> Glory to God. I feel a breakthrough. Something you've been waiting on for a long time. Hallelujah. Lift your hands. Just lift your hands. Tell him. Tell him, thank you for the hard times. Thank you for the disappointments. Thank you for the lies they told on you. You know, I don't hear very many Christians praying this prayer. <laughs> thank you for the hard times. Thank you for the lies they told on me. Thank you for locking me in prison. Thank you for sending that uh, racist police officer to uh, beat me over the head and drag me behind his truck uh, with chains. Th thank you, Lord, for that, because it was it was necessary. Do, does anyone ever hear that prayer? 
I discovered it was necessary. Somebody shout, it was necessary for me to go to the next level. but it was necessary. I felt abandoned and alone, but it was necessary. These are the kinds of things that cause Christians in large numbers to commit, to commit suicide. This is part of what keeps them from seeking proper mental health. Because when the bad things happen in their lives and pile up, no amount of telling them that it is necessary is going to deal with that pain. They need professional medical help. And that is not what the typical preacher, especially the typical Pente Pentecostal, will advise. They will say that you are going through that because God needs you to go through that. It's necessary for you to go through that. If you're listening to the sound of my voice today, let me assure you, it is not necessary for you to do that. There's no God with a plan that has somewhere circled on it, you must be bullied at school. Now, that's something that you need to go to a parent, go to the police, uh, and, and have dealt with. There's, there's nowhere in God's plan that says you must submit to uh, sexual abuse uh, at home. It is not necessary. It, it is just a bad person doing a bad thing, and you need to make it stop. This is not pleasing God or anyone else. It's not a part of any plan, and if it is written down and circled as a part of someone's plan, you should leave that system and abandon that plan. It's a bad plan. It is not necessary. I think we've heard enough from Bishop Staples today. I think we've heard enough of how necessary it is for God to run you through the ringer, to run you through hell before you can one day experience heaven. What a poisonous, what a poisonous, terrible theology. That is, it is not necessary. And you should walk, no, run away as fast as you can. Until next week, this has been David Johnson with 4S. We'll see you the next time.